1: Sunday was promotion Sunday in vacation. I mean, this was promotion Sunday in uh, Sunday school. Uh, I think we've got several uh, that are teaching, new teachers. All of our school teachers, stand up. You give these guys a hand. Your Sanskrit teachers, stand up. All right, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, I've got... Uh, it up with coins, dollars, chips, whatever you want to do. Uh, making a collection, we're going to fill up a, a baby bottle. Uh, we're going to give those to birth choice. Uh, we'll be taking them through uh, Father's Day. And so anyway, it's a great, great, great ministry in helping these young mothers as they prepare for their first baby. And then uh, let's see, we've got mission team meeting right after the service. Those one of the last, but coming up quick. And uh, deacons, we're going to put our meeting off to the very end of the month, in part because our nominating committee has been working hard got to kind of get all the spots filled out. We'll have uh, our business meeting at the last. May Day. Katie uh, May have come up and um, they were going to be here this morning, but Katie woke up with a terrible sore of throat, so they're not here. But we're going to spend the afternoon playing with May, and since I'm going to take the afternoon I'm going to give you the afternoon, alright? So enjoy the afternoon and uh, see you on Wednesday night. And then next Sunday, of course, Bible school. We've got a big afternoon. Next Sunday, Regulation Bible School kickoff panel, and then all uh, we will um, enjoy the video announcements. in this morning for our time together and the many things coming up for the busy summer that we have. Lord, we just uh, ask this um, offering as we take now, what's coming through the week, be used to your glory and your honor, and Lord, uh, just bless the the worship as we sing pray, and Lord, hear your message, just draw us close to you, and as Lord, we uh, draw close to you and seek to to know more of your, your love and goodness. All these things, we give you Jesus. Visiting day, we'd like to say a word of welcome to you. If you're visiting at home, we'd like to say a word of welcome to you as well. And uh, here we're just going to stand and greet our guest and neighbor and tell them, uh, tell them that we're glad you're here. And then after we do that, we'll sing a fellowship chorus together as we continue to worship. So stand, greet your guest and neighbor, please.
2: we <laughs> You can be and Everybody tell me what was the year of Jubilee? I mean, where all debts were paid, all debts were released, you were enslaved, uh,
1: Hey, Tilt. two, two. You're not going to believe this. But I taught you everything. You know, right? I knew y'all wouldn't believe this, neither do right? I. All other guys are making their way to children's church, and as they do that, open your Bibles to Matthew 25. You know, it just, it just makes my heart swell and right, cry when I see these, these young ones like Till growing in the Lord and just you know every year it's just more transformation and just just through us just through us my heart to see them living and glorifying God. Bring your kids bring your kids to Bible school Um, you're you're paying great uh dividend on uh investment great dividend that be repaid to you. I want to think with you this morning for a little bit been in a series, Matthew 24 and 25, looking at the it Discourse. That's where Jesus was asked the question, if you remember, if you've not been here with us, let me just uh, share with you where we've been. The disciples uh, asked Jesus in verse 3 of chapter 24, tell us when these things will be, when will the sign of your coming be, and when will the end of the age come? And what we have, Verse three forward in chapter twenty four through chapter twenty five is the longest answer that Jesus gives in Scripture to any question. And we looked at that early part of chapter twenty four, and it was a detailed sort of outline of the coming events, the things that would happen. And we've seen so many of those things play out: the destruction of the temple, it actually happened in seventy A.D., and, and there were other things. Christ that would come in the world. We've talked about that. We're still awaiting uh, the, the coming Antichrist. on we, We've talked about that. And, and we, we've talked about a, a lot of the outline of the things to come. And then last week, we looked at um, the faithful servant and the evil servant. Uh, also, that there is no one that knows that they are the day or the hour. And there's a transition that begins in verse 36 of chapter 24. Where Jesus begins to teach the deeper meanings, the deeper things about the end of times, and then we get to chapter 25, he really begins to move in the teaching to the deeper things by way of parables. And this is a common teaching method of Jesus. A um, parable is a way of of teaching a truth that's somewhat still hidden in a mystery, but it's also a new way of teaching so that we think about it a well, little little bit more, a little bit longer, a little bit harder um, to, to get the full lesson out of it, and that's where we come to uh, with the parable of the wise and the foolish full, virgins that Jesus is, is telling us here in Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13. So I want to read that for you. Then the kingdom of heaven, he says to the disciples, shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise. Five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took all in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your lamp, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in, went in with him to, uh, to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open the eyes. And he answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, Jesus says, For you now neither, no for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. He he reiterates what he had said earlier in chapter twenty four about not knowing the day or the hour in which you're not going to know it, and the message is to be ready. Ready or not, here I come. You've probably heard those words. Maybe you've uh, said those words. Maybe you've heard those words. It may have been when you were a kid. It may be your children or your grandchildren. But you hear those words when, when you're playing that game. I can see. We all know how that game goes. There's the one who's the it, the one who is responsible for tagging all the others that they can find. And they put their head down somewhere, they close their eyes, and they begin to count. And you know, sometimes they count maybe to 10, sometimes to 20, sometimes maybe to even to a hundred. But no matter how far they count or how long they count, when they're done, they cry well, ready or not, you're And those words are are meant for those who are hiding uh, to be prepared, to be ready, because the one who is seeking is coming. And if he can find them, he's going to tag them. And of course, I think they become the new yet. everybody gets to go hide And and the game starts all over again. Well, I think that's a pretty good title for what Jesus is saying here, because he's saying that there's coming a day ready or not, I am, coming. I want to give you four things that our passage, this parable, this lesson that Jesus um, gives us here um, so that uh, we can be ready, so we can be prepared. And I want to say before we get into that, that when we come to this parable, this particular section, I think we have to be a little bit careful here. Uh, I think maybe this has been one of the most sections in the Word of God, because a lot of times, some some school teacher or or Bible teacher or preacher will begin to go through this lesson, and they will take it, and they will strictly apply it to the church. I want to say to you that in my thinking and in my believing, and as we preach through these chapters together, that at this point in the eschatology, that is the last days or end of these things that the church has been removed, all right? So, um, that moment of the rapture has come, that, that secret coming that Paul talks about in Thessalonians I read about it in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, that John talks about, That catching away, the rapture has happened. And I really think that what Jesus is teaching here, he's teaching to a more narrow-focused audience, and that be now, having said that, I also want to say that that even though that Jesus is talking to Israel and talking to uh, the, the Jewish people who are going to be here on earth uh, when the last days are ushered in, the the head that Christ the judgment of God begins to unfold. What we read about in Revelation that that while this is for them, there is still a message here for us. And it's a message for us in part because we don't know. When that moment will come, when, as the, the bride of Christ, we will be raptured out. There's also a sense in which uh, we might find ourselves, if we're unprepared for the rapture, that is, we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we find ourselves left behind and not taken. And we too, living through the last days, then these words certainly would become relevant for us as well. So I want you just to bear that sort of. Text this morning as we think about these four things that uh, that the, I think this parable brings to us. Number one, I want you to notice the people. Uh, as we look here, in the, in the, there's several different players and actors that's in this story, but I want you to focus primarily on one set of people broken out into two ways, and that's... But they're broken up as a foolish group and a wise group. Now, um, the foolish did not take any extra oil. They had the thought that, well, what they had was plenty. They were they were running on their own energy. They were running on their own efforts, their own sort of resources. When we think about the oil here. In this parable, uh, Bible scholars tell us that this really is a picture of the Holy Spirit, and so there's there's a sense by which there are those who have been anxiously awaiting the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord, and yet they've been doing it in their own energy, they've been doing it in their own resource, been doing it in their own stream. But there are the wise ones, the five wise men, who did supply extra oil, who had and one thing we found about both of these, whether they're wise or whether they're foolish, they are sleeping, they're slumbering. While they're waiting, they slept. Now, there is a sense by which they're not quite ready, they're not quite in the right. When we think about about the times that Jesus talked about um, slumbering through life as a child of God and not being prepared. we think about maybe the disciples who went to Jesus. But when Jesus went to that garden that night to pray, remember what happened with them? They were so tired. They were so worn out from the week and all the things that had taken place. And and Jesus said, watch and pray while I go over here and pray. But they did what? They slept and slept while Jesus Pray, and Jesus came three times to you know, hey, wake up guys, you know, I asked you to stay awake and pray, and you can't do this, uh, so there's a picture here that's kind of uh, a little bit of that, that, that problem where we, we just cannot keep our focus, we cannot just keep centered in on um, the things of God, the importance of the moment, the, the urgency of the hour, and all those sorts of things. But I think here in this parable, what Jesus is doing here is also saying as God. He understands that. And and I, I think sometimes we do a little bit of a disservice to beat people up, to beat believers up about always not being focused on the things of God or the kingdom of God. And also a confession here in this parable. When you think about it, the, the bridegroom is what? The land. And, you know, here we are as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's confess that we said this a few weeks ago when we talked about why hasn't Jesus come back yet, And we were talking about no one knows the hour, no one knows the day. There is sort of a sense of a delay. I mean, you know, more likely And, you know, things don't look like they're getting necessarily better in our world, do they? Uh, And uh, people seem to be moving further away from God. God, why haven't you uh, come back? And you we see tragedies like we saw there in humanity and other places in our world and and, and other happenings. We wonder, why, Lord, have you delayed in coming to set right what is so wrong in our world? That's an honest question. Bible gives us, I think, a little bit of an answer in that, that we need to be sure that we don't count that the lay of God is somehow a slightness of God. God hasn't failed in his responsibilities. God hasn't somehow stopped being concerned as much as he should be or concerned as we would want him to be in this world. No, no, God has not failed in any sort of way. But the Bible says, "What well, don't count it as slightness as some would count slightness, but know that God in his kindness and in his grace is not willing that any should perish, but all come to saving faith, all come to him in that saving way. So we need to understand that. here in this story. We see a little bit of ourselves here. It's hard to maintain the focus. It is hard to sometimes know, uh, you know, uh, am I living zero to end on God at the present moment? And I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking about how can I can help you practically. And when I was thinking about maintaining I'm to share this. This is more of a, a pastoral advice for you. And it's funny where well, you learn some lessons in life and where you get them. And this actually came from baseball. I was working with Will and we were doing baseball instructions and lessons. And um, I, I want to give credit to Andy Russian, who was our baseball coach at this time, uh, working with Will uh, for this lesson. He was talking to Will. He said, Will, he said, you know, one of the things about hitting a baseball so very important, is having what they call a hard focus, really focusing on that baseball. And he said, good baseball hitters can actually see the seams on the baseball when they throw it. Now think about it. Here's a picture. Throwing a baseball 90 to 100 miles an hour, and good hitters can actually see the seams, see how the seams move. And he said to Willie, he said, the only way that you can see that is is to give a hard focus so how do you do that? Well, for just a moment, focus in on that finger right there. Just look hard at that finger. Now hold that focus as long as you can. Now the thing is, you're not going to be able to hard focus for, what, maybe three, four, five seconds at the longest. And so Andy said, that's really how long the eyes can focus in a particular piece. And so here's what Andy went on to say. He said, now, you need to understand when you need to turn the hard focus on. Then you need to turn it off, okay? He said, now, you're not going to hard focus over here on the battle circle, okay? Because you're not, in the, you're not in the batter's box. He said, but when you get into the batter's box, be ready because you're the hitter. Now, over here, you can start being prepared by preparing, stretching your muscles, watching the picture, seeing how fast he throws. But when you get in the box, you've got to be ready. Gotta be ready to swing. And he said, when that pitcher comes to that point right here, you know he's getting ready to throw the ball. And he said, here's what I teach my college players. I want them to look at that baseball cap. And a lot of times there will be a letter or a number or, or a little insignia or a logo. He said, I tell them to hard focus on that baseball cap as that pitcher's winding up because the pitcher's head's looking forward. And about the moment that that picture gets right here, just slide your eyes over to the baseball and pick it up there. I thought, wow, that's, that's, good, that's good, good stuff, isn't it? And he said, for about three or four seconds, you could pick it up that much quicker and make you a little better hit. Now, I tell you that story? Dear friend, that's the way it is as a Christian. We're seeing here this morning, it's, it's, it's in the it's in the collective of the, the family of God. All is good. I don't expect for you this morning to be hard focused in on the kingdom of God, the urgency of the hour. I, I want you to be on the battle's, uh, uh, on deck circle, and, and being, getting prepared, preparing your heart, preparing your mind, being in prayer form. And you do that during the day. But you see, you're going to go out tomorrow, you're going to go into the world, whether it be a job or school or somewhere in your community, and you step up into the battle's box. And at some point, Satan's going to throw his pitch to you, or the world's going to throw its pitch to you. Maybe God Himself's going to throw a pitch to you. You're going to be a, You're going to have an opportunity to be a witness. All right. You're going to be. You're going to be given an opportunity to speak for God. Now you've prepared over here. You've prayed. You've read your Bible. You've filled yourself with the Holy Spirit, and now you step into the batter's box, and the opportunity comes. And when you see that opportunity coming. And, and, and that's, you know, when you see someone's heart beginning to open up and the questions being there, you do a hard focus on their heart. And you begin to focus in intensely on the things of God. And the Bible says, in those moments, don't worry about what you're going to say. If you're in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in you, the Spirit of God will give you the words to say in that moment. But my point is understand how hard it is to live 24-7, 100% for God every moment of the day. We're human. And I don't want you to feel beat up that, 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 that you don't always live for God every moment of the day. I've got news for you. I, know it's I don't surprise you. I do And I'm paid to live for the Lord, right? On your behalf to serve the kingdom of God. But even, even in my motivation. And in my blessings, I can't do it. But in the moments that come at you, the opportunities, you can do it. Now, see, here's the problem with the, the foolish. The opportunity came, the moment of the battle spots was there. And they weren't ready. So be ready. That's the people here. The plan is preparation. Verses 6 through 9. They were to prepare were to be ready. They were to be in the old that circle. As Christians, we must live our life. We trim our wigs. We have our own. We're ready for the moment that comes. And, and in their preparation, um, we find they fell. And they began to plead. They began to cry. And, and, and they began to say, "Help! give us some oil." They were dependent on others for entrance into the wedding feast. Let me just say, each person must have their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not kind of, well, what kind of relationship your mom had, your dad had, or your granddad had, or your grandmother had, or your uncle has, or your brother has, or your cousin has, or your friend has, or, or your neighbor has. It's what kind of relationship with Christ do you have. And, and, and even deeper than that is. Can accept Christ for you, you must do it yourself. You remember the story of Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Nicodemus came to the Lord by night. Nicodemus is a good man, he's a just man, but something was missing. And then Jesus looked into Nicodemus's heart and he said, Nick, you must be born again. And this Lord Nicodemus, he's like, What do you mean? I must be born again. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, Nicodemus is about your what with me. This is about your what with God. Your faith, your trust. And it's not about what others have done or the Jewish people have done. It's what you've done in your faith. And so there is this preparation. The third thing I Now well, these foolish virgins who weren't prepared, they weren't ready. They found a problem. What's the problem? The problem is the door was shut. You know, God gave the people of Noah time to prepare, time to get ready. But there came a day where their door was closed. I mention that to you because Jesus says earlier, He says about this. Coming day, that one of the ways we're going to recognize it, it's going to be like the day of Noah. People, you know, marrying giving their marriage going about life, just living fancy free and, and, and just having a good time. Look, that was the problem in the, the, the day of Noah. They weren't ready. They hadn't given their heart to the Lord. They hadn't gotten right with God. And then there came a day where the door was shut, and the plea was open to us. And the punishment was what? I knew mean, you know, You know, I think one of the saddest things that's going to happen is there are going to be people that are going to miss out on the kingdom of God and the eternity with God who thought that they would get to spend eternity with God and thought that they really knew God even went to church and worshipped God with others. But yet, say, what do you mean? Dear friend, Jesus wants to be your Savior. But before He can be your Savior, You save someone from drowning, they have the first surrender to you. You couldn't save someone who was going to fight you. You couldn't save someone who Them there, you can pull them in. And one of the lessons we had to learn was the fact that sometimes a person may get to the point where they they basically are drowned and they're not breathing. But you can actually give them um, air as you bring them in through the water, and once you get them on the land, you can resuscitate them. But until someone surrenders, you can't save them. The difference. as terrible as this, is the preparation. That's what Jesus is saying to these Israelites, and I believe you saying to us today, be ready. Be watching. Watch your character. Watch how you're living. Practice good habits, good Christian habits. It takes a lifetime to build a good Christian life, a good Christian character. It takes only a moment to destroy it. you um, have been many, many you know, we've discovered that feet of twain doesn't take much to destroy your life. But it does take a lifetime to build good Christian character, be careful in your character, watch Build your life in the right way. A sacrifice poured out wholly unto the Lord. Watch your companions. You know, these five foolish didn't go the way of the the, the foolish wrote by themselves.
0: we pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today if God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus we would love to hear about it we invite you to come to our website come cometothecross.net our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making all decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential however we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to